Everybody, welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest. We're here for another astounding episode of even more nonsense. And of course, as you know, this is the only show where you can see a man's progressive descent into insanity as a direct result of Sonic the Hedgehog. But you know what? That's what you're here for. That's why we just got 100 subs on YouTube. So thanks a lot. And uh, on that note, why don't I go ahead and introduce uh, my guest today, uh, a good old friend of mine uh, from uh, if if you're if you're a fan of mine, if you're a real one, then this is going to be a real one. This is going to be a deep cut reference for you. Uh, Deep cut. (laughs) Yes, I love it. (laughs) Uh, My fellow uh, friend and uh, Hellfire comms alum, Amaterasu. How you doing, buddy? What's up, Speed? Uh, hi, I'm Amaterasu, Ami, Aaron, uh, whatever the fuck you want to call me. Uh, I am a long-time Sonic the Hedgehog fan, ever since I was four. Uh, I've been playing Sonic games basically all my life. Uh, I'm a high-end Twitter shit poster. Uh, I stream sometimes, I stream a lot of Final Fantasy XIV when I raid and stuff like that, um... But honestly, for a long time, I was on the internet, and I was a Hellfire comms, FTCR, Brain Scratch comms fanboy, and uh, it eventually resulted in me and Speed, uh, you know, meeting uh, via Hellfire comms, and I worked as a for a short stint as a moderator for HFC's uh, Twitch chat, when Twitch was very early on, and we got to know each other pretty well over the years, um, <clears throat> we talk every- we- now, unfortunately, because of our IRL situations, we haven't talked in a while, but Speed offered me to come on the podcast, and, I mean, it's Archie Sonic, and any chance to shit on Ken Penders, oh boy, Ooh. I'll take that, oh I'll boy. take that shit, I'll take that shit, full stop. <laughs> and you know what? What better way to segue into our first comic, Knuckles number 10? Yeah! Ugh. Oh god, here we fucking go. And uh, of course, uh, as you know with the Knuckles comics, they tend to be a bit of trilogies. So this next set of comics were brought to us. Ken Penders obviously doing the writing. Manny Galan doing the art. The Forgotten Tribe trilogy, as it's called, and we'll get into that. We open with Athair meditating with a Tome of Prophecies expert seeing overhead reading... Yea, though he be his brother's keeper, there will come a time when the heralds beckon, raising the guardian to a higher plane, and another shall lead them to the journey's end. Now someone interrupts him while he's meditating, asking that his retreat has been a lot longer than normal, and asking, hey, did the ancient walkers call you away again? Atheria said, no, I was just reflecting about uh, some recent events, which uh, you can see at the last episode for more details. (laughs) And if the role... The role that he has to play with will happen soon. We then see a large group of nomad echidnas, with a kid in the background asking, hey, what's going on? Uh, an elder is saying that, hey, 
because of Athair's communes with the walkers, if we have to move on, we can't question it. We're being led by divine power, it seems. Do you mind if I interrupt? Please. So, <clears throat> I'm opening up the comic again just to, just to survey the page and everything, right? And I, I gotta tell you, what is up with the way that Pedras draws tears? I don't really understand it. Like, why why do why do the tears why are they like they're like nothing yeah i can't really say you know what that's just a very weird thing like mm. <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know what to say it's like well this is just a very weird thing i guess no i i got you i got you i got you continuing on uh Athair said that he believes it's time for him to go and to uh go separate ways from the tribe and he leaves his protege yanar to lead and as they leave, Athair notes that he says that he loves Yanar as if he was his own son and says, quote, I wish Saber was as understanding. We'll get to that later. That's a, leave a pin in that one. The walkers then call Athair as the, tra- as the scene then transitions to uh, Laura Lee, Knuckles' mom, praying in a church and then walks outside to find Knuckles. They walk together, Knuckles saying that he wasn't super comfortable going in as his dad taught him more like, History, math, geography, the stems, but not the tomes. That's directly what they're called, the tome. The lore. The lore. Like, is that, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the echidna lore, the, the very, very detailed, long, rich history of the echidnas. So, Knuckles said that his dad taught him more about ethics, character, and personal responsibility. In short, teaching him how to be a guardian, according to his mom. So then we cut to a scene of Julie Sue being interrogated by Remington, the chief of police in Echidnopolis, saying that despite her being part of the reason Kragok was arrested, she was still seen as operating as a member of the Dark Legion, and because of the fact Knuckles doesn't have a super clear memory of those events, they can't really just let her go. But, uh, beside that, uh, Remington decides to leave her, as we see Knuckles and Laura Lee ending up finding a there at the police station. With Laura Lee saying, oh, what a surprise, Athair. How nice to see you again. Knuckles says, man, I wish the feeling was mutual. His mom basically slaps him over the head and says, that's no way to talk to your great-grandfather, young man. You better apologize. Shut the fuck up and respect him, bitch. <laughs> so Knuckles says that he, he's sorry, and Laura Lee says, well, that's better. Now what'd you come here for, Athair? And he just responds in a big, booming voice saying, it's the time of the prophecy, Laura Lee. I've come for the boy. And Knuckles is like, what, what do you mean you've come for me? I have other things to worry about. Leave me alone. And Athair says, well, you're going to have to get busier. And <laughs> whoosh. <laughs> with a whoosh away. Projections of the ancient walkers come in and warp them away, leaving Laura Lee alone. This is all like a matter of the same page, by the way. Like back to back, there's no stopping. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty fucking wild. Like just... The, the 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 way that the story progresses, like, where it's just like, oh, we're gonna go visit our grandfather. Just kidding. We're going on a magical spirit journey, bitch! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pacing in these comics is very weird, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I expect no less from... <laughs> we'll get we'll get to it later we'll get, we'll get to, to it, it later, later. we'll okay, get to we'll it, get later. To it later that's the first get time to... someone other than me has said those words on this podcast we'll get just i i can't think about it because the more i think about it the angrier i get <laughs> that's fair so remington's secretary uh by the name of terry lou comes in with some reports including a runaway from parole 
Right as Archimedes just pops in asking, like, hey, bro, where'd Knuckles go? Uh, Remington says, like, I've never seen him stop by. Uh, I, I don't know where he is at, man. But before he leaves, Remington asks Archimedes about Julie Sue, basically asking for, like, a character witness, effectively. So, scene change. Uh, Knuckles and Athair are now on the surface of Mobius. Knuckles is seen looking over a tribe of echidnas that's in a canyon. And they're moving about. So, he's like, whoa, uh, Athair, what's the deal with these echidnas? Why are they not on the floating island? And Athair is like, well, Knuckles, sit down. We're, we're here. It's story time. So, Knuckles' ancestors, by the name of Jordan and Kayla Law, discover this comet that was on collision with Echidnaopolis. They're the ones that proposed to the council the plan to lift Echidnaopolis to the sky to avoid the comet altogether. But, a holy man by the name of Arrakis, he objected to the plan, saying, quote, Echidnas are not meant to soar in the sky, but rather harvest on the land in Down Under. The debate was had, but ultimately the council voted we're going with the floating island plan. And Arrakis said, look, I don't agree with this. Allow me to proselytize to the people, whoever wants to come with me and leave Echidnaopolis to live our lives where we should be, allow them to do that. They said fine. Damn, I can't believe the Echidnaopolis justice system is inherently more just and fair than the United States justice system. Ken, Ken Penders has a vision of a perfect world that we can only understand through his masterpiece. Well, unfortunately, that perfect world means being an ethnostate. So, anyway. So, effectively, uh, they agreed. Athair said, as for the Echidnas who went on the floating island... It only saw the signs of a, the apocalyptic signs of an exploding comet to erase any regrets they may have had. And as for Arrakis' people, Athair says that they since wandered the continent looking for a place to call home and always finding someone else with a plier claim or encountering someone who would harm them. Eventually, they had to abandon their technology since they wore out. But that night that they did so, Arrakis received a vision from the walkers, startled but took this to believe that they would be looking over their tribe personally. Knuckles compares the relationship with the Guardians, with Arrakis handling leadership duties over to his son, but Athair said that the difference being, quote, only those related through blood can ever be only one. Which I suppose is just the riddle speak for like, yeah, this is not a generational thing. Not commonly, at least. The implication, like, is clear that, like, the the difference between a guardian and somebody who like watches over right is that like the guardian is specifically designed through blood to watch over the floating island and then um what what was the term that's used again in this comic for uh for the person who watches over the tribe oh uh, we'll get to that oh, okay 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 all right all right, all right. Well, well well I'll 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 dive more into this but keep going yeah all right so while that's all going on the chaotics are at a diner in Echidnaopolis. Vector complaining yet again about, oof, this Julie Sue girl, she's crapping our style. You know, we, we, we were, uh, it was boys night every night when it was just the us and Knuckles. <laughs> but now this woman comes in and cramps our style. Vector. Vector Ugh. is anti-feminist and hates women. Vector needs to drink some respect women juice ASAP. He does. He does need to drink that respect women juice. I agree. So while he's ranting, Charmy comes in saying, Hey guys, uh, Remington's calling for us. Uh, let's, let's get to the police station. Let's just go. So they leave, and now we cut back to the tribe. Athair, at, or, Athair tells Knuckles about how he got involved with them in the first place. 
But as he's about to do so, he cuts in saying, like, hold on, Knuckles, something's wrong. Quote, the day of fury is at hand. <laughs> we then see, we see, you know, <laughs> the day of fury, I'm sorry. No, no, because, dude, I, I, because there is no prior mention of this. No foreshadowing. Nothing. Yeah, bro, 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 hold it. Stop everything. The day of fury right fucking now. Let's go. <laughs> so, we see then Yanar calling out to everyone who notices that there's some Trevors. It's like, all right, everyone get to high ground immediately. The ground breaks open. Magma's flooding out. Knuckles swoops in to save someone who lost grip climbing. And when he comes back to Athair, he Athair kind of chastises him, saying, like, hey, don't waste your energy. Shit's going down right now. Like, th- don't waste your breath trying to do this. Nowhere in Mobius is safe. And he says that the Days of Fury are basically the planet's way of adjusting to environmental changes. It goes to over a certain amount of time. And the last time it happened was over 1,200 years ago. Which, I gotta say, Ken Penders does not play video games, so I know he did not rip this off from Final Fantasy VII. But dear God, does it not sound like this. It honestly sounds exactly like fucking Final Fantasy VII. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Dude, no, dude. Ken Penders, he he probably thought that he was this, like, original genius, and then Final Fantasy VII did it. (laughs) Came out. (laughs) Yeah, and then Final Fantasy VII came out. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. He, he sues Square Enix for stealing one of his ideas. Are you Uh-oh. ready? Uh-oh. Are you ready for it? Uh-oh. Are you ready for it? It's next year, 2021, Ooh. Ken Penders sues fucking Square year, Enix. Year it's Ken time. Penders, boys! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have no words. <laughs> so, we then see panels of basically everyone across Mobius... Laura Lee is in her apartment, uh, seeing the thunderstorm over Echidnaopolis. Sally and Rotor are enduring a windstorm in Mobotropolis, and Sonic and Tails are hiding out in a cave during a torrential downpour, and their plane was downed. And also Chuck and the Robians are dealing with a snowstorm in Knothole. So crazy weather events are going off, which according to it there, the Day of Reckoning. Or Fury. Days of Fury. God damn it, I'm a fuck up. It's okay. I, I can't keep track of the shit either. Don't worry. It's fine. It's, <sighs> it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. So Knuckles asks, how did these people survive these uh, days of fury? And Athair says, well, most didn't. And uh, we then end with a scene of the lost echidnas trying to climb out from the lava river. Knuckles demanding that, Athair, we gotta do something. And that ends Knuckles number 10. Clearly, a Ken Penders, for, I will give him this, like, legitimately, he has mastered the art of, of foreshadowing and cliffhangers. I will give him that. That's No, it, it is, it is something that he, like, understands how to do pretty well. I'll say that. Like, when, when I, again, for me, reading these comics for the first time, because I have not read a lot of the Penders era stuff, I have obviously seen a lot of the shit posts and the memes, it's bad, but, like, you can tell that there is an attempt at this grand overarching idea that he really wants to commit to. And that is something I can give him credit for where credit is due, right? I, I'll respect him for that 100%. No, no, I can respect the attempt. The execution is... Well, that's a different story. Like, I can... I, I know. 
Like, I understand him. It was just like, hey, I have this great idea. So many things. I have this grand idea. I want to commit to this and I want to play this out. I can respect that much. I can respect the effort and the attempt. Execution-wise, that's up to our scrutiny. And yes, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But what is a commentator and a journalist if not a critiquer? Exactly. I, I could not agree more. I, I think that um, if we're going to... I mean. I haven't watched any of your prior episodes. I love you, but I haven't. It's so, okay, okay. I mean, I, I I don't know if we critique the whole issue at the very end after you kind of talk about it, right? But if we're going to talk, if, if that's what's normally done here, you can tell me yes or no. Uh, you can, you if you have thoughts now, share them. If it's raw that way. So, I, I think the biggest problem with Pender's storytelling, at least, and this is just based on a first glance, is that... I mean, it's pretty obviously when we, when we talked about the, the, the day of Fury or whatever. Like, he just likes to come up with these ideas out of nowhere and just kind of shove them on you and say, fuck you, deal with it. Oh, right? Oh, no, definitely. Because uh, him lore dumping is definitely, like, I don't want to call it, like, a talent, but it's definitely something he is not afraid to do. But you know what? I, I can appreciate the attempt. I can respect the effort. The question is, is this like sub, is this worthy of our time and energy? Exactly, exactly. Like, like, what is the point of these lore dumps when all they do for the most part is just reference other comics, right? Like, hardcore referencing. Because I'm looking through these issues that you sent me to read, right? And I'm like, I can't follow this. I'm like, why is there so many other linking, inner-threading connections to, oh, if you want to understand what happens, you have to read the Sonic comic. Oh, and the Sonic comic, if you want to understand what happens, you have to read the Knuckles comic, and you got to read, like, five issues before that if you want to understand this plot point. It's like, I understand that these are trying to be connected and interconnected stories, right? And that the idea for, for, the, for the Sonic comic as a whole, towards the later, like, after, I don't know, let's just say, like, issue 20, right? I mean, I haven't read all of them, uh, but good estimation. Really, actually, when 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 do when do the comics stop becoming the one-offs and they really like put their foot down and start saying we're committing to the long-term story? Uh, issue twenty-five, I'd say, is like when it goes like that. Yeah. So, like, you can have that, but you need to be able to create story arcs that don't have these Crofts referential fucking like encyclopedic knowledge of the story right it's and obviously i mean we, we can't talk about these comics without talking about um i mean i don't know if you want to bring it up now or if you have brought it up but i mean the fact that ken pender's original idea for 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 a lot of the stuff in the knuckles comics came from his failed like native american comic pitch right uh i think we mentioned that on the last episode actually or we alluded oh, really? to it yes yeah but I mean, it's it's becoming a more widely known fact that a lot of the stuff in the Knuckles comics, the absurdity of it especially, was because a lot of the ideas came from a failed comics pitch Penders made about, you know, Native Americans and shit like that, right? Yeah, and he reused the, the concepts a lot, yeah. The concepts, the ideas, a lot of the names, uh, maybe, maybe not necessarily the names, but more of the ideas, and then adapted them into Knuckles' world, which is why, you know, Ken Penders, the, the, the fucking Penders-Knuckles meme is, is so 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 prevalent because it reaches a point to where the the believability of the knuckle stuff just breaks and it just becomes it becomes too absurd for me to be like 
Is this even about Knuckles anymore? No, is it? That's a good uh, observation because, yes, Knuckles is for the most part a passive observer in his own comic. Right. Things happen, things happen around him, but he isn't really an active character. I would, I would actually argue in the Sonic comics, in the main, in the mainline comics, he does way more than he does in these fucking comics. This, these comics exist for Penders to set up his lore dump. And that's all they are. They feel like fucking lore dumps out the ass. And uh, on that note, let's continue into uh, Knuckles number 11, shall we? Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I did not mean to get off on a tangent like no, that. No, it, it's, it's just, good. It's good. It's raw. It's, I need raw it's, emotion. It's good. It's good content. It's Kino. We're talking Kino, Kino here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're only talking Kino. So, Knuckles number 11. We open with a Thayer saying, quote, Not today. Nobody dies. And then Athair uses psychic powers to uplift everyone out from the canyon <laughs> onto the high ground. I need to press this out. Never at one point was Athair said that he was able to do such a thing, and this is also the first page of the comic. <laughs> I I was reading this. <laughs> I need to I need to I need to preface this. I was reading this, right? I'm just like, oh, how is this gonna happen? I see the cover of the comic, I'm like, oh, it kinda looks like they're floating there. Oh, maybe Knuckles is just like gliding at a weird angle. No, dude just can do that. You can do that, yeah. It'd just be like, okay, everyone is lifted by my magical psychic powers. So, uh... Oh Knuckles notices someone who isn't rising as fast, so he swoops in to, uh, save him, but gets singed because of the lava. Upon returning him to the ground, Knuckles says, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm not, I don't feel any kind of pain. And the injuries fade away. And a Athair basically just says, don't worry about it, and just gets everyone to safety. <laughs> He hits him with the, no time, plot's moving, we gotta keep this gotta, shit rolling, come on! <laughs> uh, we're not paced well enough to explain this right now. Oh my god. So Athair flies everyone over the magma, powers akin to sorcery, and one of Knuckles with a miraculous healing factor. Direct quote from the comic. Meanwhile, the Chaotix report to Remington, and he tells them, listen, Knuckles had to leave the island on a mission, you guys have now been deputized to act as the Guardians, until further notice. Vector asks, like, all right, where did Knuckles go, at least? And he says, like, that's not your problem. This is not part of your business. All you have to know is you are in charge of the uh, floating island for uh, the time being. Uh, we're, like, what? Uh, we're, we're, eight, we're, like, seven pages in, and it feels like we're already getting hit with the don't worry about it stick, like, five times now. You know? Like, hey, man, some shit's happening. Wait, what do you mean what's happening? Don't worry about it. Just keep, just, just don't worry about it. Just don't, just, just don't worry. It's about fine. It. It's all. It's good. It's, it's fine, fine, bro. It's, it's fine. It's it's okay. It's okay. You know. It's, it's fine. <laughs> so, uh, despite all that, uh, Remington introduces them to their new partner, Julie Sue, and they don't like that. And you can imagine, Vector is especially pissed. <laughs> Vector is fucking molding over this. <laughs> he's he's gonna go right on Art and Cell about how much he hates his work. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they got banned. Oh, there, there's um, there's like replacement subreddits. Yeah. I'm... What do you? Nah, he's gonna go to eight chan. Come on. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. Vector the crocodile frequent eight chan and pole poster on four chan. <laughs> oh no. At the Lost Echidna camp, Yanar asks the there, "Are are we through with this uh, Days of Fury stuff?" 
And he says, uh, listen, uh, no, it's the Days of Fury, not Day of Fury. This is a prologue of events to come, and just enjoy the moment of peace while we have it. And then Knuckles comes in uh, a bit hesitantly and asks Athair, why did you leave your duties as Guardian of the Floating Island? And Athair basically tells him the story of his training. His father died when he was an infant, so his mother, Janelle Lee, had to act as Guardian during that time. And he also witnessed his mother vanish into a wall of flames as Knuckles did his father. Basically, this is just sort of a rite of passage for uh, the newbie uh, Guardians, I assume. He did his role as any Guardian had before him. But a vision of the walkers came to him one night saying, You are definitely needed here as uh, the guardian of the floating island, but you have a higher calling. Come. They show him the lost tribe of Echidnas. They were suffering and notice them mourning the death of their previous leader. And compelled, he walks forward to the grave. An elder nearby asks Athair if he is the other. He says, I don't think so. To which the elder responds with, Oh, so you must be the Mitre, the guide to their journey's end. The end of their journey, Albion, quote, from which their kind sprang forth. From there, Athair knew what his calling was. Now, the issue of who would assume role as the Guardian. The Walkers warped Athair into Haven, where he saw his mother. Wasn't really distraught of the fact that his mother was still alive, but, uh, regardless, he said, listen... I'm leaving. I have an import. I have more important things to do than this whole guardian shtick. I have a higher calling. So his mom is, just says, "You know what? Fine. I I'll have to retake the role as guardian then because no one else will do it." He demands that he do- that she doesn't do it, but he leaves either way. So not his problem anymore. In the time being, as the Mitre, he leads the lost tribe to different lands in search of Albion, and from the tribe, he quote soul touched with a woman crystal law and together they had a son saber now let's stop right here and i'm going to comment on something so so in the context of this universe soul touching is like when two bros have their jo crystals Mm -hmm. and they charge up you know and they just bam they produce a baby yeah that's how it happens man that's how it happens here's a little bit of a caveat though uh apparently according to ken penders at least the lore master himself. Uh, only Echidnas can soul touch. Now, I need you to have that comment in the back of your head as you continue through this episode, okay? I'm just going to leave it at that. According to Ken Penders, only Echidnas can soul touch. Only Echidnas can soul touch. I know what's coming. I did my re- I did my homework for this. I know what's fucking coming. So, several years later, the walkers came to Athair and Saber saying... Janelle Lee is ill. She's not long for this world. Uh, just letting you know. Do whatever you need to do. Saber pleads to Athair to retake the Guardian position, but he refuses, saying the tribe needs him more. And this left a long-standing uh, wedge in Saber and Athair's relationship to the fact that he marched back to the floating island and intended to go train as the Guardian with Archimedes, who Knuckles says he was surprised he was alive at the time, and Athair says, "I ah, don't worry about it. Fire ants live as long as the guardians do." Who? <clears throat> so is Saber? Who is Saber again? Saber me. is uh, <clears throat> Athair's son and Knuckles' grandfather. Ah, okay, I see. All right, 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 right. Okay. So uh, Knuckles asks, "Why can't the tribe just get another Mitre?" With Athair saying, "Quote." I am destined to be the last Mitre, according to the tomes, asking how could I abandon the people who endured 600 years worth of hardships? 
But as the years passed with him, uh, the tribe fell victim to Robotnik's takeover, and at one point were ambushed by SWAT bots. They fought back, but eventually Athair ordered them to retreat, and who was left of them? Because many, including his wife Crystal Law, was roboticized. And since then, he's acted as an agent for the Walkers, while also acting as the tribe's leader. Knuckles, uh, overwhelmed by all this information, goes in for the night. Now, uh, Aaron, are you overwhelmed by this information too? Because I am, and I'm the one reading off hey, that man, goddamn hey, note. Amen, hey, amen, hey, amen, listen, alright? I'm just, I'm feeling like Knuckles right now. You know, I'm I'm looking at this panel. I'm 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 have the comics up for me so I can, you know, visually walk through them with me. And I'm looking at this man taking the biggest fucking yawn of his entire life. He's like, "What the fuck is going on? I'm going the fuck to sleep. Fuck this shit, man." And goes to sleep he does. I'm glad to see that uh Knuckles clearly is also meant to be a stand-in for the reader as he cannot understand what he's being told. <laughs> he's just like, "Bro, <laughs> How much crack did you smoke? <laughs> Shut up. I'm going to bed. <laughs> and then uh, as as Knuckles goes in, Yanar asks, like, was Knuckles really ready for all that information? And if they're saying, quote, is anyone truly ready for their fate? <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why is Ken Peters like this? It's it's so grandiose, and he's treating it like it's so important. It's is like, anyone truly ready for their fate? No, we're not, because this writing is dog shit. Athair then leaves with the walkers. Then the next morning, Knuckles wakes up and sees Yanar, with him saying, Oh, oh Athair left. He's gone. Knuckles is also pissed about this because this is now the second time in his mind y- uh, Yathair uh, abandoned his duties. But Yanar says, no, it's okay. Now you will lead us. Direct quote from, Knuck- <laughs> Direct quote from Knuckles. Me? But I don't even know the way. Now, if you have in the back of your mind a certain, uh, a certain mimetic image from around 2019 of a cartoonishly deformed knuckles the echidna uh depicted with a very harsh accent saying certain words that will not be repeated on this podcast however i will say clearly ken penders is an omnipotent being and i take back everything bad i've ever said about him because clearly the man saw into the future saw this meme and i was like you know what this is gonna be real fucking funny in 30 years (laughs) (laughs) i I, I I did not believe I would actually see that in this comic, but you know what? I did, and I saw, like, the vision of Ken Penders peering into space and time, and it was just... It was magical. It was too much. It, it's too much, and you know what? Clearly the burdens that man has felt is greater than any burden we have, because he has clearly seen the end of time and is scarred. That is the only logical explanation I can have for this storytelling. He, he saw he saw the end of time, went insane, and wrote the so- and wrote these comics, and that's that's why they're in the quality that they're in. Regardless, Athair left a message, quote, head toward the rising sun and you'll figure out the rest. And then he leads them, finding a signpost saying, Welcome to the Kingdom of Mercea. One of the Echidnas calls out to Knuckles, thinking that her brothers got lost. He offers to look for them himself, but uh, 
after uh, a fly toss, he's he decides to bring her along. Uh, Marianne, her name is. The rest of the echidnas stay behind, but are caught by robots saying, quote, the high sheriff needs more laborers. Knuckles and Marianne are looking for her brothers. Knuckles said, oh, we should split up and uh, meet back at the same spot in an hour. Meanwhile, uh, Yanar is then thrown into the rock, a holding cell, his new and last home. And we hear two voices, surprised that it's an echidna, but not Knuckles. Yanar sees the voices being Tails and Sonic, captured and chained to the wall. And meanwhile, Knuckles is lost, while a hedgehog in a, in a hood points a bow and arrow towards his head. And that's the end of Knuckles number 11. I mean, do, do I even have to, like, comment on this issue? I, really, I don't... I don't. I think. I think our laugh was kind of like my thoughts on reading this. Uh, that's that's fair enough. Honestly, like, what what really more can we say other than just like lore dump, lore dump, and then just just we're going, we're going, we're going. We we gotta we gotta we gotta continue the story. We can't we stop. We can't stop. Gotta go fast. Now, remember a, a while ago where I commented on uh. Knuck, uh, the Knuckles comics being trilogies. That is technically true in this case, but the story continues on in Sonic the Hedgehog number 58. And uh, and you're going to see, this is a direct continuation done by Ken Penders and Clayton Emery. This is interesting because uh, this uh, issue is apparently the only work Clayton Emery ever did for the comic. He's more known for his min- mystery and fantasy novels. Like, I have no idea how Ken Penders managed to just pluck this guy out from his daily life as a legitimate novelist. He just said, hey, bro, let's do some Sonic the Hedgehog comics together. I mean, come on, you'll love it. I promise, you'll love it. And, of course, Art Mawini did the art. So now we open. Tails asking Sonic where they are in jail. Sonic asks who Yanar is and why he's there. Two Robians come in and drag Tails away first. Meanwhile, Knuckles encounters the hedgehog that was about to shoot at him. The hedgehog introduces himself as, quote, the king of the Deerwood Forest, Robbo the Hedge. And also he speaks in like a weird kind of Middle English. I, And also I need to point out, he looks exactly like Sonic does, but he's teal. Oh, and he also has green eyes, which means that Ken Penders, is, it, this, this furthers the theory of Ken Penders being an om- omniscient being because he saw that they wanted to change the eye color, dude. True. They saw. Very true. Weird, weird question. Do they acknowledge the fact that when Sonic get green, gets green eyes in this comic, they look like Robbo the Hedges? Uh, I can't imagine, though, because he is a bit of an obscure character. But uh, we'll see when we get to it, I guess. <laughs> so, Knuckles is challenged by him and beats him uh, pretty easily, knocking him into a lake. With Rob saying, like, you know what? That was pretty boss. Uh, join my cause, why don't you? Then we transition to a scene of a castle. Sonic is explaining how they've gotten to the situation in the first place. Their plane was hit by a bolt of lightning, and they crash land in a daze. The local Robians, still under control of Robotnik's sub-boss, confuse him for Rob and arrest him. Yanar introduces himself and his story, basically the last two issues of the Knuckles comics. As uh, Robians come in for Sonic, Yanar is like waving his hand saying, Hey, 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 I'm more dangerous than he is, and then he's taken away but is able to take the keys from them and throw them to Sonic. Meanwhile, Rob is walking with Knuckles and says that his, quote, brave band were captured and roboticized by the High Sheriff, Robotnik's sub-boss. 
in the area. Looking for Rob's Freedom Fighters and Knuckles' tribe, they both climb up into a treehouse, Rob's base. They then see the echidnas off in the distance, forced into hard labor, cutting trees and decimating the forest. Meanwhile, the Robians eventually come back for Sonic, who freed himself and locks the Robians inside the cell and look for Tails. Sonic ends up finding the High Sheriff with, uh... Yeah, he... Uh, huh? Tails being tickle-tortured for information. It's actually pretty kind of graphically drawn as well. I, I, I okay. All right, we gotta, we gotta talk about it. We gotta stop. We gotta talk. We gotta about talk it. about it. We have to. There, we. It, it has to be talked about. Okay. The detail and the level of excruciating time they take for this bit, right? It's so fucking weird. It is so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. It is incredible. Yeah, I, I don't know. Art Mawini, my man, was this just in the script? Did Ken Penders, like, make you draw this, or was this all you? No. I want no. answers. It was, it was all him, man. I'm telling you. This kind of shit is, like, this is some totally spies-tier fetish Ooh. bait. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. yeah. We're going there. Oh. This is some totally spies-tier fetish bait. It's just, it's, it's so, like, this shit doesn't happen that often in kids shows or in kids media right but like when this sort of stuff happens there's a specific way you can present it there's the normal way which is like oh it's weird it's a little off right and then there's this where it's like the setup and everything it's just like oh god yeah because they see they put tails on like a medieval torture device too it's all very questionable very questionable, and I don't like it one bit. I I don't think anybody likes this. I mean, do you think if we showed Ken Penders this panel, he would approve? Probably. Like, he probably would. Yeah, <laughs> he'd probably sign off on it because it was his work. You know, he'd be like, "Yeah, it's great. It's great stuff." Yeah. I, I actually I don't I don't know how Penders talks, so I can't I can't replicate his voice. You know. Mm. Oh God. Oh God. This comic. But this comic. Sonic recognizes the High Sheriff as uh, General de Coulet, Antoine's dad, who was missing in action during the early years of Robotnik's coup. Sonic rushes in, gets Tails out of his binds, and tries to call out to de Coulet with Antoine and his former rank, obviously all of which means nothing to him. So, while they fight, Tails knocks out de Coulet by dropping a chandelier on him and buys them time to escape. Meanwhile, Knuckles and Rob run into someone who ends up fighting Rob, and is quickly seen to be Marianne, with Rob and Marianne being real receptive towards each other. And I have this note uh, suggested as being a soul touch. It's never explicitly said, but we can infer that this is a soul touch, which, need I remind you, Ken Penders stated, can only happen between echidnas. So... Did they actually soul touch? Is this just like a weird little uh, thing? Is Rob half echidna? Is he part echidna? What's the deal? Honestly, this is going to get retconned, isn't it? This is going to get retconned hard, isn't it? Uh, no. We'll get to that. It get it's, it, I don't even think it's more like a retcon. It's more like a weird postcon because he meant Ken Penders mentioned the fact that echidnas can only soul touch uh, way after the fact. Like, years later, he brought up that Oh! Okay, so it's a post-con. So, like, this shit doesn't... It's... I can imagine this was just something he just legitimately forgot about. Which is fair. 
<laughs> I mean, if I if if I if I had to keep track of all this shit, I mean, I would I would lose my mind as well. You know, the three of them find uh, Sonic and Tails' plane, with Rob saying the trail that they walked leads to the castle. Sonic and Tails are then seen trying to traverse the castle, which is functionally a maze. Rob leads Knuckles and Marion to the chapel in the castle town, and they open a secret passage that leads into the castle itself. But when they go inside, they immediately find Sonic and Tails, introduce one another, Rob even saying that he sent his cousin Amy to his town knothole for safekeeping when Robotnik's invasion started. And this is just a throwaway line, by the way. The fact that uh, Ken Pender's OC is a family member to one of the major Sonic the Hedgehog characters? Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, this is not the worst crime he's even committed in this same episode. It's not the worst crime. There are much worse crimes. They walk out into a balcony as they're talking. And they see Yanar about to be hanged in the castle town. And I don't even, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. The art is even showing has a noose around his neck and underneath a trap door that could go off at any minute. He is, Ken Penders uh, decepted a hate crime. I cannot believe this. Listen, this is the man who went to court over his fucking echidnas. Now, all that nonsense uh, doesn't end this issue because we have a secondary story to talk about done by the same creative team. We have uh, Dr. Quack, the uh, royal medical expert, examining King Acorn. It's been a week since Nagus was expunged from the king's soul, so he's checking up for any irregularities. Quack says, hey, this is my job as the royal physician. It may look like you're a test subject, but I just want to make sure you're healthy. But during the checkup, uh, the king sits down. Quack mentions that, you know, I'm, I can't believe that ever since we got back, I've never referred to my father's files about you. I should probably do that. But uh, the king reminisces back when he was a kid, as the days were more carefree, according to him. When he reached age 10, his father, King Frederick Acorn, brought him to an underground chamber of the palace, a pool of gold and silver. Young Prince Max was directed to submerge himself into the pool from head to toe, and stepped out with the substance all over him. His father was directed into a tub of the liquid drained off of him, and the liquid was uh, used to forge his crown and sword of acorns. He also said that he bonded with, quote, the source of all, the origin of all life in the universe, according to him, and the crown and sword are his links to the source. The king fought personally (laughs) with the sword and crown on the day of Robotnik's coup. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on, it gets sillier. It gets sillier. He sent Rosie, Sally's caretaker, away with Sally and Sonic for their safety. He also gave her the sword and kept it away from Robotnik. With the sword separated, the crown faded from sight and merged with the king's physical form. Robotnik frustrated, he threw the king into the zone of silence. And by regaining the sword, the crown returned, and the source of all was able to completely heal the curse Nagus put on the king. And realizes, quote, Matters cannot continue as they were before, even if my daughter says so. Now, Aaron, what are your thoughts? Disappointment, I can tell in your face. Like, why does... Okay, so let me, let me, just, let me just phrase this for a minute, right? Right. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to take an analytical approach to this. So why, why does Ket Penders have this obsession with having everything in these fucking comics be linked to some great cosmic or hierarchical godlike power why why is the obsession there because it feels like 
when we're reading these, you know, lore dumps aside, most of the time, in, in the knuckle stuff and more so and and in this side story right the man sonic issue it's a cut and dry sonic issue it's much better paced it's legible it's an actual fucking little story you know with some with some ties to the greater overall plot of you know knuckles story but at the same time also being like linked to the main story so it feels more legible right it feels like you can drop in and just read it you don't have to fucking deal with this inane bullshit so why is it when we get outside of the sonic story does the inane bullshit just begin it just enters into this fucking spiral you know what i think i can actually answer this question for you basically sega only was ever scrutinized archie over stories when it came directly about sonic they had a little bit more care, obviously, since he's their focal character. And right, they don't want, exactly. They don't want stupid things happening. But when it comes to practically any other character, Sega will just be like, nah, not, yeah, let's go. Cool, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Right, so, and, and it's like, I hate to bring this up. I'm going to use the comparison because I feel like I have to. It's the George Lucas comparison, Ooh. right? Ooh. Yeah, I know it's a it's a bit of a mm. bit of a bit of an oofer right there, but I gotta bring it up. Oh, it, it's the George Lucas comparison. You put Penders on a leash, he's not gonna do that much damage, right? You take him off the leash, he'll fucking ruin the whole town. He'll just go in a little stampede and he'll fucking ruin everything. You know, Oof. like it it is so painfully obvious the difference in how the stories are written and created between the two comics. It's it's so crazy. You know, and then like when you said when when the when the quality control stops by Archie and Sega, Penders is just left free to his own devices, and he just fucking destroys the comic later on. That's not an exaggeration either. No, it it really isn't. Like the shit that he does is the most awful and obnoxious shit I have ever seen a comic writer do. It is that bad at times. And uh, yes, you were also right in saying. That these comics are basically night and day, these Knuckles and Sonic comics. Because yes, Ken Penders had no reign when it comes to writing these Knuckles comics. As again, if you need another example, we're about to get into. But when you get to the Sonic the Hedgehog comics, the mainline stuff, it is a lot more like verbose. Not even. You can, it's legible. You can read it. I can understand what's happening to a certain extent. I have more thoughts, but we're going to get into that after we finish this next issue. Okay. Knuckles number 12. Woo! <laughs> Ken Penders did the writing, Manny Galan by the art, same team that we were talking about. Right off the heels from last time, Knuckles uh, cooks up a plan. Rob will shoot at the rope as Yanar falls down the trick floor. Sonic will grab and run with him as Marianne gets the tribe right out of harm's way, while Knuckles and Tails fight the crooks off. Foolproof plan. Might I add, before, I, I want to make a very quick comment on something here. So, okay. let, let's say you were an insane person, and you had a subscription to the Knuckles comics, but not the Sonic comics. Yeah, especially, <laughs> so you're, a, you're an especially insane person. You're getting 10, 11, 12... It feels like between 11 and 12, there's a little bit of a gap. I don't know, Ken. I don't think this is the best way to pace this. <laughs> I don't think you needed... You could have found a way. You could have, like, maybe, you know, cut half of the content of these both issues and put them into Knuckles 12. You could have done that. It was, you know... 
that no, was an option. No, 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 no. It all has to stay. It's too important. The echidna lore is that deep. Yes, it's the, so important. Yes. It's a multiple comics spanning saga. You know what? You're absolutely correct. How foolish of me to even dare criticize Ken. You Pender. do not doubt Ken Penders. You only trusted Ken Penders. <laughs> True. Now. True. <laughs> so. Oh my god. Their plan is executed without a hitch. As everyone goes their separate ways, Dicole engages with Knuckles, having the advantage as Sonic runs off with Yanar and Marianne ordering everyone to follow Sonic. Rob swoops in, fly-kicking Dicole. The bad guy's knocked out as fighting in the square continues. Rob shoots flaming arrows to encompass the Robians in the perimeter as Yanar calls for everyone to escape. And Sonic stops everyone saying, well, what do we do about them? As Rob shoots a wrist cuff at both him and the Robian he was fighting. And Rob just says, listen, this is my responsibility. I'll let you go, but you go do your own thing. This is my problem. Go away. And uh, Sonic says, well, uh, we don't tell him anything about the situation. Let's just go. Uh, Knuckles leads everyone out. Marianne asks about her brothers. And Sonic and Tails wondering, how are we going to tell Antoine about his dad? And Sonic says straight up, we're not going to tell him anything. We, we don't, he doesn't need to know. Sonic was like, look, look, dude, I'm sorry, but it's not fucking worth it. Mm. And then. Uh, I mean, I just wanted to say that this is not even the worst Sonic has ever been written. I think in like two episodes ago, I had a little bit of a moment, a little bit of a rant of Sonic being written kind of poorly. So, you know what? This isn't, this doesn't even phase me. You know what? Sonic not telling, you know, his good friend that his dad is alive. Eh, this is not the worst he's been, unfortunately. <laughs> that weighs on Sonic's conscience for five seconds. And then... And then, Dicole orders the Robians to go after Rob, who's at a vantage point. He shoots a bomb arrow into the castle, causing a massive explosion. Sonic saying, quote, Talk about a Sonic blast. This is after the fact that he literally just said, yeah, we're not going to fucking tell him his, his, his dad's alive. And then he makes a, a quip about the fact that his father is most likely fucking dead. So, Marianne, uh, worried a little bit about Rob, is comforted by Knuckles saying, look, he's probably fine. Right then and there, right out of the bushes, Rob comes out. Not only completely fine, but also with Marianne's brothers, Zax and Raynor. Rob says he found them wandering in the woods and hid them in his treehouse where it's safe. You know, this isn't even the worst deuce-ex that uh, Ken Penders has ever pulled either. Ah, uh, he survived. Sure. Moving on. <laughs> gotta get, we, just, we just gotta keep going. Just, just keep it going. Just keep going. Just keep running. Come on. Come on. Just keep going. Scene change. We then see Locke and his dad, Saber. They're looking over Hawking, saying, It's ironic that their society went to war with technology, and now that technology is keeping him alive. Then, uh, Deo, another Fire Ant Guardian, cuts in, saying, Your society went to war because of selfish individuals abusing that technology, whereas the Dark Legion epitomized all that was bad, the Guardians came to symbolize all that was good. Direct quote. And man, oh man, what a nice cut and dry way to look at the world, isn't it? Black and white. Good and bad. Us Guardians, we are the good boys. We are the, the beings of light. And the Dark Le the Dark Legion, they're clearly the bad... I mean, they have the name Dark in their name, guys. Like, come on. They're zombies. Come on, bros. 
you know, I, I can, I could, I could relate this to, to the current state of the country, but you know, I, I, we're just, we're just gonna, we're just gonna move that one. So the right side, then and there, right then the and side. there. <laughs> right then and there, uh, Remington pages in reporting that the Chaotix accepted being the deputy guardians reluctantly because of Julie Sue and he shares their sentiment with her, but Locke reassures him that, hey, this goes deeper than anyone ever likes. And also, Laura Lee visited him again, Remington, demanding to see Locke. And he instantly cuts off communication, saying, look, I'll be in contact soon. And you know what? Who who doesn't not want to talk to their ex-wife, boys? Like, you know, can't, let's relate a little bit. Let's relate a little bit. I don't want to deal with this woman right now. She 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 she's she's gonna come for the alimony again. She wants more out of me. I can't do no more. I I I, I trap my hardest man. <laughs> so as everyone is uh, going their separate ways, Knuckles asks Sonic why are he and Tails alone right now, and says while everyone's getting used to their new roles, Sonic and Tails decided to check things out around the world. And uh, Knuckles uh, invites them to come over on the floating island sometime. With uh, Tails flying in and with the plane all nice and fixed up, they head out. And keep in mind, this is actually, I think, the first time Knuckles has, like, actually extended an invitation of welcoming towards them. All the other times with them going to the floating island, it's just Knuckles just be like, Hey, hey, uh-uh, not here. Uh-uh. Get off. No, 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 no. Not on my island. Get the fuck off. Now. <laughs> Not literally. I mean, literally. Is there is there okay, well well here's here's the real question, right? Is there a character reason for this sudden shift from Knuckles? Because if you were to ask me, Sonic and Tail showing up on the floating island out of nowhere is probably like to him like a sign of disrespect, but him inviting them there is like him saying, like, hey, come and hang out, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's definitely character development. It's not out of nowhere. I'll say that. N- yeah, if I'll give Penders some props. The long-running format thing, sometimes it can lead to little like nuggets of stuff like that where there is a feel-good moment where you're like, "Oh, well Knuckles and Sonic are definitely, you know, they they may have hated each other at first, but now they're starting to get a little friendlier, you know?" And oh, like yeah. that to me is like it's cool, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, Yanar comes in and says, Knuckles, I had a vision, a grand city, the with Mobians the likes of which I've never seen before, and that Rob is the other, the one who will lead the tribe to journey's end. Yanar mentions a white cliff overlooking a beach, and Knuckles goes to ask if uh, Rob knows of such a place, and he says that he can't really leave until his freedom fighters are free, but Marianne offers to stay with him. But right then and there... Rob enters a trance-like state and just walks away, unresponsive. Everyone's following him to a cliffside, all worried that he's just going to keep going, but he stops. Quote, the siren song beckons, and I do not know why. He then points to a figure of a monument in the distance. Meanwhile, uh, Windmacer, Laura Lee's partner at this time, tells Laura Lee that Locke will be in contact soon, and that's all I was told. Back to Knuckles. Uh, Rob says he never went beyond the forest, more than he just kind of keeps watching the shore, and that, quote, only rightful souls can get past me. Yanar interjects, saying, the tomes state the last leg of the journey requires a bold heart to pass upon Albion's wake. And Knuckles interprets this basically as, you mean walk across water, right? That's what you're saying? And that all that it requires is a leap of faith, according to Yanar. 
Do you have that faith? Yanar asked. As Knuckles steps onto the water and is shown standing upon it like it's solid ground. Quote directly from Knuckles. Well, is anyone gonna follow? I can't believe, I, I, I cannot fucking believe Knuckles is Jesus. No, I, Ken Penders, like, you've done it. You've you've gotten, you're just reaching a higher and higher apex. The Christ allegory is real. Like, what dude. The, the brazen, the bold brazenness of this man <laughs> to have a red anthropomorphic echidna be an allegory for Jesus Christ in this comic. You know what? I'm not even mad anymore. I should have expected this. You know, bravo Ken Penders. This is a genuine applause from me. I I give you 100% props. Congratulations. I, I can't... Dude, the part that gets me, right? Like, I'm I'm literally physically looking at this, right? And it's like, it's, it's played so straight. I actually thought he was going to split the seas open like fucking Moses. I wish he would have done that. Oh my God. If Penders had Knuckles split the seas for the Echidnas to walk over, I would lose my shit. I would be crying laughing right now. But just the mere, like, the Christ allegory shit has been done to fucking death, right? Like, I'm not even talking about the context of this comic. I'm just saying in general. So, like, this is like, are you fucking kidding me? If he would have split the seas, though. If he would have. You know what? You, all I'm getting from this conversation is that this could have been a lot worse. And God, I wish it was. Because you <laughs> exactly, know Exactly! <laughs> exactly! That's what I'm saying, dude! Oh my god. <laughs> Ken Penders, uh, <laughs> you know what, Ken? Please don't restrain yourself anymore. You are clearly a genius, and we are needs- we are too simple-minded to understand what is in your head. He needs to he needs to unshackle uh, his his power level and uh, truly ascend. Uh, you know, Ken Penders, five minute long screaming Super Saiyan three transformation sequence. It's happening, dude. It's ha- actually that's the later stages of this comic, right? Yeah, right <laughs> now to be fucking real. Right now we're on. We've uh, right now we've just unlocked Super Saiyan two. This Jesus allegory. That's Super it, Saiyan two. That's Super Saiyan two, and he's just gonna power up for like seventy five issues before we get to the real dumb stuff word for the word you oh my fucking god it gets so bad later so as the tribe follows knuckles uh marianne's parents ask her say hey come on but she insists to stay with rob uh the one that i love in her words her parents accept uh on the guise of the whole soul touch thing and they say their goodbyes the tribe walks over the water to the monument and are met by a figure uh, a female echidna by the ga- name of Galana. Quote, We have awaited your return to the motherland. She explains that over a thousand years ago, echidnas were truly the most advanced civilization at the time. Space travel, architecture, scientific advancements were all being found while other Mobians were in the Stone Age. And that's not an exaggeration. We see a primitive hedgehog with a stone club going unga bunga bang bang while Albion was being built. Oh my, oh, oh. She also says, she also says, it is within Echidna nature to strive for higher levels of achievement and a colony of Echidnas left to Down Under to establish Echidnaopolis. 
But Galana welcomes the tribe with open arms, saying, quote, It is a sanctuary for echidnas everywhere. Knuckles is happy that he led them back, but is upset, saying, This is not my home. I belong on the floating island. Yanar understands, and from his pocket, he gives him a guiding star gem that Athair told him to give him, which will lead him back to the floating island. And that, my friends, is the end of Knuckles number 12. So... Not only is the Jesus allegory present here, the Moses allegory is present here. And we get to such a level that, like, like, I don't know how much worse the comics get from here. Like, I really don't. I don't know how much worse the Knuckles comics get. This was pretty bad. This was pretty fucking bad, dude. Yeah, Holy shit. The best I could say was that this is just silly. Like, it's just silly at best. If you just turn off your brain... And you're reading this at face value, you'll just go like, <laughs> this is dumb. But if yeah. you're taking this seriously, like I'm burdened to do so, I this is just like insane. Like I, I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like a lot of this time, like I'm writing this stuff down as I'm reading, and never once have I ever actually stopped and think, hold on, this is insane. I'm I'm if I read what I was writing and I was like a normal person, I think I'm reading ramblings of an insane person because this doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. It is it is like beyond that to me. It is like when you take into account the fact that this entire fucking thing is like planned in Pender's head as this grand vision. Did he ever stop to think like maybe just maybe there might be some problems here or there i mean right i'll i'll say this i think a minor aspect of the problems is just that we have to see them as sonic stories because that's what they are at the end of the day that's what they're presented to us as even though right even though at the end of the day this is kind of ken penders creating his own original concepts and he has to tell them through the medium of sonic characters if you have it going into the distinction of this is ken penders telling his story he just has to use sonic characters to tell his story maybe to someone that'll be more digestible maybe someone can accept that premise but most normal people who understand these as sonic the hedgehog comics see it inverted as these are sonic the hedgehog characters going through inane shit right and like Again, I'm uh, as we both discussed, you know, the 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 attempt at like this grand narrative is something to be commended. It's pretty fucking hard to do, but the execution is just so all over the place and it feels like half the time most of these comics are just lore dumps. The, the Knuckles these three issues in particular. It felt like half the time we just see characters sitting around and talking about what 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 does this mean? Three pages later. Okay, sounds good. Next page. Oh, we're talking with other characters. Oh, what does this mean? Three pages later. Okay, we're on to the next thing. It's like the pacing and the 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 attempt at storytelling is just it's non-existent. It's like Ken Penders just has all this stuff he wants to talk about with you. You know what he's like? He's like a fifteen-year-old Fujoshi in anime club. He she wants to tell you about all this shit that you don't fucking care about. But you're going to put up with it because you're 15 years old and you've never met a girl that likes anime before. So you're just going to listen and take it just to be able to talk to her about your stuff. And then half the time, he doesn't, he, she, she doesn't even want to fucking talk with you about that stuff. 
That's that is what Ken Pender's writing is. It is fifteen year old anime girl Fujoshi bullshit. Am I wrong? Aaron, are are you pulling from experience with that comparison? No, I'm actually not. I'm just saying in general. Okay, because that was a little bit of a deep uh, cut. Okay, uh, okay, maybe, 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 a, maybe, maybe a tiny bit. Okay, just listen. Just a, just a... We're all friends here. We're all, you know, <laughs> this is a safe space. This is a safe place. We we're not afraid to talk about our feelings on this Sonic the Hedgehog comic no. podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, I just it, it it's the first thing that came to mind because it really does feel like that, and it's just it's just insane. I, I can't process it half the time. I mean, do you think my comparison is valid? Yeah, yeah honestly, yeah. This is just a lot of a lot of nonsense that you're just like, hey, I'm here because I like Sonic the Hedgehog, but all this stories about this deep lore and stuff, like I, at best, I can say I don't care. At worst, it's like actively deterring from my enjoyment. You know? Exactly. In fact, your comparison about how most of these comics are like just them sitting around and talking about stuff, like that's kind of all this is. Like what? In the last comic, what did they really do? Like they, they walked on what did water. They, do? they walked from point A to point B. Yes, exactly. In fact, the really the action of this story came not even from the Knuckles comic, the Sonic comic that this story was shoved into. That's where all the action was. Exactly. Because, because again, at the time, the Sonic stories had oversight. Like, there was a clear attempt to make sure that the Sonic stories, they had the continuous narrative, but there was a curtail. There were, there was a deliberate attempt to make sure that the stories were still digestible and you know, something you could pick up, hop into, read a little. Maybe there's some references here or there to some other events that happened, but you can understand the basic gist of what's going on not too hard. Right. And that's, and, 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 you know, I mean, I've read the early issues of Sonic the Hedgehog, um, like one through one through twenty, generally. And I mean, part that was one of the things I liked about it. You know, it's a simple comic, and I can respect when the comic wants to get a little bit darker, a little bit more serious, wants to try and branch out. But when you go down the road that Penders does with his writing, it's just doesn't fucking work. It's really bad. Yeah, I have to agree, but. Uh... We're going to take a little bit of a, a mental break here with uh, Sonic the Hedgehog number 59, written by uh, Mike Gallagher and art by Art Mawinney. If you are uh, an old head of this podcast, you'll know that is the original writing team, and you can expect some of that. We open with Sonic and Tails are being pulled into a liminal space where uh, direction is nonsensical, right as Sonic and Tails are hit with an explosion. They then see the two characters who live in this zone, Vertical and Horizontal, which, by the way, were introduced in uh, Sonic 13, basically the gods of reality in their zone. And they're also roboticized and hostile towards Sonic, Tails, and each other. I, I just want to point this out. I actually think this is kind of cool. The fact that they do this really, really deep cut from from like if I, and if i remember correctly the 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 two characters of vertical vertical and horizontal the entire story of that issue was like it was super weird and super trippy and super all over the place right mm -hmm. yep exactly and then they just kind of hit you with the hook and are like hey we're actually going to try and tell a somewhat serious story out of these two characters right it's pretty crazy if you ask me, I think it's really interesting, actually. We flashback, we have... The reason why they look roboticized is because uh, the Ultimate Annihilator's effects on reality really affected their zone on a subatomic level. 
And they kind of survived. But as a form of protoplasmic entities, they remerged themselves, appearing roboticized, and went to war with each other, blaming the other for allowing these things to happen. They trapped Sonic and Tails, intending to use them as each other's champions to fight for their amusement. Sonic and Tails are morphed into gladiator-esque fighter designs, and they just do that. They fight for a good while. Sonic is about to win with a spin buzzsaw cut, and Tails kind of snaps out of it, saying, Sonic, what are you doing? I thought we were friends. That moment, Sonic also snaps out, just like, yeah, we are friends. What are we doing here? Uh, Cal saying, how could you have broken from our mental binding? With Tails saying, with the power of friendship, we can cut through anything. Together! <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah, this uh-oh. is... This- uh, this is some Sonic Forces-esque uh, bullshit, but uh, but honestly, I mean... But hey, it's, it's a kid's comic. Like, what It's can a you kid's really comic. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and shit on this. I mean, it's it's kind of just to be expected. Yeah, you know? yeah. So Sonic then asks what happens to the two of them. He remembers uh, what's going on. Uh, Cal and Al can't really seem to remember how they got to the situation that they're in. And uh, fire upon each other, with the knockback blasting Sonic and Tails out of the zone, with the entry gate shrinking until it fades to unto nothing. With Sonic looking at the space and just says, like, yeah, good riddance, and decides to move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happened. And you know what? In a very, what, five minutes of me explaining, that was a much more palpable story that we just got. I'm yeah, not gonna lie. I mean, b- before we dive into the... The next the, one. The, yeah, the, the, the Pender's writing. Um, it, it's so weird when you compare the shit I was just bitching about to that. Which was literally five minutes of, oh, it's just some nonsense. It's just some fun. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a thread here about the Ultimate Annihilator kind of doing weird things to the planet. And it just leads into, into this nice, simple side story. You yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's harmless. It's fun. It's nice. Yeah. I like it. I can't complain. Yeah, you know what? I really can't. That really was a palate cleanser. I'm not going to lie. Oh, God. It, it was It was like I was It's like I was reading a different comic. <laughs> well, that's the magic of uh, other writers. Yeah. And then you flip the page and it's like, nope. Story B. Art <laughs> and uh, writing done by our man, Ken Fenders. Our focal character is Sally this time. She's with the other Freedom Fighters going skydiving just for the fun of it. She lands on the ground, and a farm boy comes by, excited that the princess uh, came by and, and offers her and the Freedom Fighters dinner. And she accepts as most of them find her, but before they eat, they break to find the other two stragglers, Eric and Lupe. Eric, uh, Sally finds Eric, who was caught in a tree branch, and uh, just happens to find Lupe around the woods. They then go back, eat some dinner, and go back to the city afterward. Rosie offers her some hot cocoa before going to bed. Right as we pull out from the scene, seeing a rebel underground agent say Sally has returned over the monitor. The king overhears this coming from Jeffrey and has him call for a royal guard to send for Sally as he needs to talk to her. Feels like he's been avoiding each other lately. That's the end of Sonic number 59. And uh, we're about to endure some more uh, shenanigans with Ken Penders in a minute. But uh, before we get to that... We'll we'll just quickly move on to Sonic number sixty, why don't we? Unless you have some yeah. thoughts. I, I have I mean I guess the minor thing is like why do these side stories exist? 
Again, uh, I mean... I, I can understand that they're just fleshing out, like, lore and all that. Like, th- this is normal in comics. Like, side stories, like, this is normal. I mean, I think that, like, side stories are fine if they can, you know, serve the overall purpose of the comic. I guess in the case of, like, the main Sonic comics, like, I feel like the idea is that they want to, like, at least at least at this point, right? If they're going to have the main stories not really link up with what's going on with the Pender stuff, right? They have to they have to have some progression, right? right? Because Sonic and Tails at this point, if I remember correctly, they're like exploring the world essentially. Like they're finally free of the of the Robotnik shenanigans and they're just kind of fucking around. They're like, "Hey, let's go see what's what's out there. Let's go see if there's anything that needs to be fixed, you know?" Right? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. It's a six issue. It's a six. It's a six or seven page thing, and then it's just like, oh, here's this cliffhanger for the next issue, and oh god, it's it's and, really bad. It's yeah, really it's, bad. It's, it's really bad. Okay, if we're gonna talk about issue sixty, we gotta preface this with something. I didn't know that the Iron Legion stuff and um uh what's his fucking name. Uh, the the Iron Queen or Monkey no, Con? I, the Iron the Iron Queen stuff and uh Monkey Con came from this issue. I didn't know that because later on when the big thing happens, right, and it's kind of like a huge whoa moment. Like fuck me. Like I actually kind of thought that was like now with that context, I'm like that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, without further ado. Sonic number 60, uh, writing and art done by Frank Storm. Sonic and Tails, going nowhere on the search for Nagas, come across what they thought was a volcano, but actually a mountain on fire. He complains about the heat, Sonic does, and Tails sees a village down the base of the mountain and fly themselves down there. They meet a local girl asking for shelter, and she welcomes them, but they can't offer them water, since they barely have enough for themselves. She says Mount Stormtop has been burning for a hundred days straight, and that's why our supplies are so limited. Tails says, A fire that's been ra- that's raging for a hundred days? If it's such a problem, why don't you townsfolk just up and move? Which, uh, I, I have to comment, uh, sad to see Tails has been watching one too many Ben Shapiro videos. We gotta fix that. <laughs> so let's say. Mm-mm. Hypothetically. <laughs> have, have you ever seen that video? Too many Speed. times. Oh, Oh, it, it, it fucking destroys me. My favorite uh, Ben Shapiro meme is just him when he's like on the podium just saying, uh, if all the people in Miami are at risk of flooding, why don't they just sell their houses and move? To which like that uh, green screen of H-Bomber guy hacking into the wall comes out and just says, just one problem, Ben. Sell their houses to who? Fucking Aquaman. <laughs> I fucking hate H-Bomber guy, but fuck me. That's pretty good. <laughs> Oh my god. Holy shit. So now back to uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, uh, back to Sonic the Hedgehog. More important things are at hand. Out comes uh, Li Yuan, grandfather to the girl Li Moon. They live there for all their lives, so it's not so easy to move from the place you've always called home. Sonic asks why this fire has gone on for so long, with Li Yuan saying... It is, quote, the curse of the Iron King. Since they refuse to be subjugated to them, his wife, the Iron Queen, uh, a sorceress and also an overlander, the Iron King is a Moby and mull on that for a minute, curse their mountain to burn. Now, the only thing that can put out the flames is the enhanced fan of Fenxing, locked away in the King's arsenal. Sonic volunteers to get it and save their home. 
But uh, the Iron Queen and King see all of this through her scepter, saying, Don't worry about the situation. I can add a spoiler into the mix. Sonic uh, is exhausted from the heat as they're traveling. Tails notices rain clouds come in as Monkey Khan, hypnotized, comes in and attacks Sonic with lightning. He then continues to attack, jumping down from his Nimbus Cloud to fight Mono Imano. But even then, the Iron Queen personally shows up to watch the fight, and Sonic is still able to trounce over Khan. But he chokes. Sonic's back is to the cliffside. The Queen orders Khan to finish him off, but Tails swoops right in, knocks her scepter, and the spell is broken. And out from the scepter fall two power rings, which are powering up her scepter as she flies away. Khan wakes up, has no clue what just happened, he kind of just wants to walk away from this, but Sonic drags him along to the Iron Fortress to finish the situation. They walk in, and they just go right into the armory looking to the fan. Right as the Iron King, a Mobian bull, attacks trying to steal from him. Sonic offers to distract him while Tails grabs the fan, but Kong offers himself to fight. But they both do. Tails grabs the fan while he's distracted and use it on the Iron King. With a wind blast so strong, he's sent flying away. Khan takes them back to the Burning Mountain. They use the fan to blow out the flames. And all and all is said and done. They fall back in to talk to Lee Moon and Lee Yuan, saying, Saw in a day's work, could have done it without our boy Monkey Khan. And Yuan says he's not surprised, as the legends talked about, quote, the ascension of a great monkey king. And Lee Moon says, ah, the hedgehog does all the work and the monkey gets his own prophecy. Our boy Sonic's 0 for 2 on the Prophecy King. Can we get a weird champ in the chat, boys? Yo, can, can we can we actually get a weird champ? Can we get a fat fucking weird champ right now? Because that's kind of cringe, cring, bro. That's kind of that's kind of cringe. That, that really is cringe. Yeah, the, like, this comic is called Sonic the Hedgehog, for God's sakes. It's not about him, okay? It's, can't, not. it's never about Sonic the Hedgehog. How foolish. All right. All right. It's, you know. It's time? <laughs> Is it time? It's before we get into it. Again, a nice little story. This is foreshadowing, by the way. This this actually matters, believe it or not, mm-hmm. for way later. For way but later. This is fine. It's all it's, good. It's just a it's just a nice little side story. Mm-hmm. I I'm I'm definitely enjoying the little vignettes that that are going on here. They're they're not horrible. They're fine. Speaking <laughs> of vignettes. We still have a little bit for this uh, comic. Uh, Story B, done by Ken Penders, art by Manny Galan. A duo team that you only know strikes fear into your heart. And for good reason. Sally uh, goes to talk to her dad. With him saying that she feels like she's been questioning his judgment ever since he ordered the dismantling of the Robians. You know, a good reason to question someone's judgment, but go off, I guess. He points that since he allowed the Robians to live in Knothole for the time being... Uh, you know, that's that's kind of him. Uh, King Max leads Sally down into the secret passageway and leads her to the pool of the source of all. And the king says you have the choice whether or not to lead the realm. But if you choose yes, you have to bond with the source of all. And also, uh, Max mentions that Sally will be the first woman to bond with the source of all. Hashtag feminism. Ken Penders is a true ally. He is. He is a, he is an ally of females everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um. Just kidding. Ken Penders is actually a massive misogynist. I'm pretty sure. Uh, implicit. 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 It's always the. It's always the. Implicit. It's always implicit. So it's always implicit. Uh, before they do that, uh, uh, Sally would have to think about the long future. 
including a king for Sally. She says, hold on, I- I'm too young to get married. And, quote, Sonic would not be open to the conversation. And King, the king is outraged at the thought of Sonic being her husband. <laughs> he, he fucking, he's like, yo, what the fuck? Fuck that hedgehog. We ain't having him in this house. Nuh-uh, no, sir. And he argues that the source of all chooses her mate, not her. And in fact, the king's own father chose his wife, Sally's mother, from the young age of 11. And they were engaged at 11 and were married at 18. So mull on that for a minute. Quote, the source should choose who I should marry, Sally asks. Not should, but will, her father replies, if you choose to undergo the immersion. And then the king interjects saying, General Decolet's son will make a fine husband for you. And he intends to talk with Antoine about it, with Sally saying you will do no such thing. She pushes, she pushes back, saying that when it came to official duties as princess, I always defer to your dad, but she should have the choice in who she marries. The king says, if you keep acting like this, you'll be stripped of rank and duties. Sally responds, well, oh, that's not fair, dad. With her dad giving the classic, life isn't fair. Mwah. Love it. Ah, yes, the the very important and classic, uh, you know, boomer father talk. Mm. Life isn't fair, and I'll make all your decisions for you. Uh, you So Sally walks away to sleep on it. King Max saying he'll let her do that, but uh, if Sally says no, he'll need to know if his other option is still available. And uh, we'll... That last comment is what will leave Sonic number 60 off of. What what a classic uh, father daughter moment of uh, you know the father demanding that her uh, that his daughter marry a person with no ill and regard towards her you know classic stuff you love to see it. I mean, I I mean, why why is I I, I mean to be fair I don't want to say to be fair but this like it, as far as like lineages go and royal families go like this is extremely common so like. This isn't, like, inappropriate in context of the situation at hand. It is inappropriate for a Sonic the Hedgehog comic, though. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's the, the worst imp- part That's about- the important thing We here. just, we go from this fucking story about, about Sonic saving, like, you know, like, like a mountain. It's fairly in line with what you would expect to political discussions about the nature of marriage and Sally resisting her father's advances to to marry somebody she doesn't want. Also, uh check Discord. I just sent you uh one of the king's faces and it's absolutely fucking amazing and you should make it the thumbnail for this fucking episode. I may do so. In fact, uh if you can see on the green screen that you can get for $15 on patreon.com/sonicseed, that image will be right behind me. Oh, it's 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 so fucking good. It's so fucking good. He looks like he's not only, like, blazed out of his mind, but he's so smug about the fact he just told his daughter, Yo, you're gonna marry who I want, you're gonna fucking like it, bitch. <laughs> it's really bad. I mean, all I'm gonna say is, like, it's just, it's so ridiculous. It's so absurd. It really is. Like, like yeah, this is expected as far as, like, royal politics go, but, like, really? In a Sonic comic... Like, let's just move this along. Yeah. Let's let's get this silliness out of the way. We say that, but... So we're doing... What next? 
So, our next and last comic for this episode, Aaron, we did it. Let's give ourselves a round of applause. Like, Oh, wow. We're at, like, what? Our final comic that we're covering tonight. Sonic Super Special number five, Sonic Kids. That's right. You remember the era in the 90s where all the cartoon characters were, for some reason, were babies, like Muppet babies and shit? Yeah, Sonic was not uh, safe from that. In the comics, at least. I, I just... Why? 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 Because uh, they it was a trend, and Archie does not ignore trends. Did baby, did baby fucking Muppets ruin everything? Why? Why did, why did, why did Penders and Archie think this was a play, you know? Well, you know what? This, this one actually isn't even Ken Penders' fault. This entire comic, nothing to do with Ken Penders. His hands Wait, are free really? of this. Yes, really. His hands are free from this sin. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Like, I, I had this conversation as well on a different uh, episode but yeah, there are a lot of moments uh, where you think, uh, if you had like a passing knowledge of the comics, you'd think, oh man, Ken Pender, look at this guy, look what he did. But then you'd find out it's a completely different writer, and it's like, oh, oh, so these comics are just like that, huh? It's, this isn't, Ken Penders isn't just the one guy. Oh, that's unfortunate. Sonic Kids, uh, the first story, uh, written by uh, Mike Gallagher, art by Manny Galan, uh, titled, When You Were and I Were Young, Sally. We open on the Freedom Fighters as uh, about toddler age. They're playing in Rosie's home in Knothole. She comes in saying, hey, take your game outside. And Sally's mentor, Jalela, comes in to catch them. Sally thinking there'll be some kind of, like, lesson, but she just tells Sally to run off. Sonic is just showing off his speed, you know, as he is as, like, a young tiny baby. Basically playing a basketball game with himself. As Sally reassures Tails, you know, you, ha you have your own talents, buddy. Like, you got two tails, that's pretty dope. Uh, Sally then just goes off how everybody has, like, their own special skills that make them unique. Sonic is, is speedy, Rotor likes machines, and Antoine, quote, has an amazing French accent. Which, need I remind you, do they, does this mean France exists in this world? Because she just name-dropped here. Is this an oversight? Yeah, it's, it, I don't, I don't think the continuity checks for France. You know, I, I it, dude, what if France was destroyed? When Robotnik took over. Oh, God. <laughs> Rip the oh, Eiffel Tower. Yeah, the Eiffel Tower is long gone, brother. It's mm -hmm. it's more than long gone. Sad. Sag, dude. Big sad. <laughs> so, uh, Sonic uh, grabs Tails by his tails and creates an updraft and learns how to fly for the first time. But he can't come down and the wind takes him away into the Great Forest. They follow him around the spot where they think Tails landed at, and they think they can hear his voice from the bottom of a hollow trunk. And then the ground gives out, and they fall into this cave system. And they realize, hey, this can make for a good clubhouse, a cute little hideout for us. Which Sally has it be the base of her team of freedom fighters, which she says she may need if, quote, the winds of change ever sweep over Mobius. The winds of change do, in fact, sweep over Mobius. And first mission is to just get out of there. Tails quickly solves the problem by flying up and grabbing a vine for everyone to climb out of. And that's the end of that cute little story about uh, Sonic and the Freedom Fighters as, as babies. This is not the last time we see this situation, by the way. We, we have a, a, a second story. It's just called Stop Sonic Time. Yes, it's a reference. Reference. I mean, do we even... 
do we need to explain this? Move on. No, we don't. Listen, I know you Zoomers out there listening <laughs> don't understand MC Hammer. Just look it up on Wikipedia. He got busted for some fuck shit, all right? Just, True. Th- that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know, bro. True. That's all you need to know. Uh, Tom Rolston, Carl Bowlers uh, wrote, and Art Mooney did the art. So, Sonic is telling a story to some local kids about fighting Robotnik and ask about Sonic's shoes. He says, oh, they were made, they were custom made from the power ring, so uh, my speed doesn't wear them out. You know, I, I, I went through shoes like in a day. Less than that because of how fast I am, kid. And as for Tails, uh, his shoes are kind of similar. And he tells that story. So one day, Tails got a straight A's on his report cards, and the Freedom Fighters decided to give him little gifts to reward him. Sonic's gift involved him getting a bag full of ordinary rocks that he gave to someone in a back alley in exchange for Tails' shoes. And Sonic complains, like, this is really weird. Why do you just want rocks, bro? But all right, I I need a gift for my buddy. So he runs off, and the hooded guy reveals himself, saying, quote, Thank you for allowing me to give Miles a gift from his uncle. Yes, that was Tails' uncle, and if he looks familiar to you, that's, yes. Yes, this is uh, a a guy who we'll be seeing a lot more of in the future comics, unfortunately. Oh, oh, we will be seeing him. Oh, we will be seeing him. (laughs) Oh, God, I'm just thinking about that arc right now, and I'm... Laughing. The, All you can do is laugh. The art! Oh, it's so bad! <laughs> All I know is pain. Oh, oh, friend. This so, is Archie Sonic. There is only pain until issue 175. <laughs> well, as a great man once said, true. Meanwhile, uh, Robotnik and Snively see, test out a machine that can freeze all Mobians in their place, so Robotnik can collect them one by one and roboticize them. Sonic sees the beam overhead as it goes off, and he ignores it, continuing into Knothole. But as he does, he sees Mobians are frozen all over, and then he sees a Robotnik with SWATbots outside the Great Forest collecting Mobians. Sonic then cooks up a plan. He pretends to be frozen, gets collected, and Robotnik displays him in his office like a trophy, and gloats about how soon they'll all be roboticized, as Sonic stops pretending rushes to the controls to unfreeze all the Mobians and then freeze Robotnik's goons. Three SWAT bots try to take out Sonic, but he's too fast for them. What a shock. The robots end up destroying the console as Sonic runs back home to Knothole, and he runs back home and gives Tails his gift. And back to the present, all the kids Sonic was telling the story to just fell asleep. And that's the end of that one. But if you think there's any more, no. We got a third one to cover. We're still not done. Total Regenesis. Uh, Carl Bowlers did the writing. A whole lot of people did art for this. Uh, Nelson Ribeiro, Art Mawinney, Sam Maxwell, and John Hebert. Four of them did art for, like, these next ten pages. I don't know why they felt the need to divvy up responsibility like that, but I'm just the messenger here. What do I know? Basically, uh, Sonic, Antoine, and Sally report to Uncle Chuck that they found a broken combat that they were cle- as they were cleaning up the final Robotnik fight, and it was still online. They all give different stories about exactly what happened. Sally said that Antoine and Sonic got knocked out as the combat chased her, and she used a laser off Nicole to break a, a boulder off a cliffside, and it lands on the combat. Antoine's story said that it knocked Sonic and Sally out as he used his sword to combat one-on-one. And keep in mind, the robot's about three times his signs. It turns itself invisible, but Antoine, uh, using its footprints, drove his sword right through its chest and destroyed it. And Sonic's story was just that Sonic just did another act of saving the day. He broke free of its net. It 
Sonic broke it in half by its torso wires and spin-dashed into it, causing an explosion. So not getting a straight answer, Chuck just decides to look at satellite feed of what was going on through Nicole. Sonic did cut it in half by spin-dashing, Antoine cut it into its circuitry, and Sally used Nicole's laser to blast it into bits. That's the real story. That's the end of that. That's the end of Sonic Super Special number 5, Sonic Kids. That's the end of this episode. Good God, what a mess. I mean, I don't really have anything to say about those stories. They're just, they're whatever. I mean, they're they're so inconsequential that like... Yeah, they really were. Most of the, the other Super Specials that I've covered up to this point, they were like the biggest part of the episode. So here to have a Super Special was just like, what, just a little bit longer than the average comic? Like, all right, cool. Saves me some time. But at the very least, it was so... It was just a bunch of nothing. Like, all right, cool. We had this weird little story about finding a combat. Did we really need to see Sonic and the, the, and the Freedom Fighters as toddlers? No. This weird prequel story about, like, Tails getting his shoes. Really, the only significant thing is seeing Tails' uncle. That's it. That's all I got for you. Book end. We're done here. We're done. We're done, dude. It's over. We're done. I mean, we're, I mean, I just, I don't have, I mean, I don't have words. I really don't. I have very few words and a very, very limited amount of time to say them. So. And you know what? That's the point of this podcast. And you know what? Uh, I think that's going to be our show. This week's episode of the Archie Sonic Digest. Thank you so much to my good friend, Aaron, for coming on. And you know what? Just for seeing him again. Yeah, no, this is... It's it's not a speed. I gotta tell you, man. Like it was really nice to see you again and to to do this with you. Um, if you ever want me to come on for more episodes or anything like that, you just tell me and I'll be here and we'll we'll laugh at this shit together. I mean, just to sum up my opinions on all this stuff right now, I just I, I'm I'm in shock how all this got through, even without Sega really doing a pass of it. It's just. It's absurd. But yeah, you'd think some like uh editor at, at Archie would just be like, Yo, what? <laughs> nope. It's all good. Just let it through. Yeah, <laughs> Ken Penders truly is the kind of person like that is what happens when he is never told no. And here's the weird thing, like Ken Penders when he first started at Archie, he did have a writing partner, and his work was a lot more grounded and controlled. And it's like you were saying, like, yeah, when he's on a leash, he's pretty good. He's decent. But when he's off the leash, the whole place is on fire. It's the it's the it's it's the George Lucas analogy. I just I can't. But thank you again. I had a lot of fun. You got anything you want to plug before we head home? Uh yeah, I actually do. Um follow my ass on Twitter, uh twitter.com slash true blue a one oh one. Uh it's a long time username. Uh Follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Amaterasu98. I don't have a YouTube channel. Uh, that may change in the future. So uh, youtube.com slash Amaterasu98. Uh, and I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's really all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, we'll see you next time for more nonsense. Bye, guys. Peace.